0: Today is week two of our series, Squad Goals. And as we talked about last week, as we launched the series, God has called us to be his squad, his team. We are his church. We are the body of Christ. And, and we know that as God's squad, we have some goals that he wants us to accomplish. And so we are looking at these goals this week and uh, thinking about what God would have us to do as we seek to follow him. Now, I know that Southwinds Church is a very culturally refined group, and so I thought that I would start today uh, with a little test to see how much you appreciate good poetry. So what I'm going to do is give you a line from a famous poem, and then then what you're going to do is call out the next line, all right? And uh, you get a point if you... If you call out the the next line correctly, and this is a test, and there's going to be eight of these, and um, I just need to say, you don't get a point if you don't say anything, and then other people say it, and you go, oh, yeah, I knew that. That's called cheating. Um, So anyway, it's going to be real easy, simple to do this, understand how. I'll give you the first line, you do the next. We'll start with this one. Number one, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Yes, uh, that's one point for those of you who said that. Kind of started with an easy one. Wanted to tee it up for you. Are you warmed up now? All right, number two. Number two says, once upon a midnight dreary. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) While I pondered weak and weary. You didn't do quite as well on that one. That's Edgar Allan Poe's uh, poem, The Raven. Maybe some of you remember now reading it and high school lit class. Well, number three, let's try this one. I think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree. Okay. A little better there. Now this next one doesn't rhyme, but it's Shakespeare and you don't have to rhyme if you're Shakespeare. Okay. So it goes like this. If music be the food of love, there we go. We got somebody back there. I think that person was in the earlier service. So that's from Twelfth Night. And by the way, if you're dating, you know, you're single and you're dating, this is really good stuff. If music be the food of love, baby, play on. You could, you could use that. You could use that. How about number five? Tis better to have loved and lost. Pretty good there. Number six is to err as human. Now, I know some of you are struggling, so I'm number seven. This is a little easier. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Very good, very good. Had to get one out there for the Raider fans that were here today. Okay, last one, last one, number eight. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I? I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. That is Robert Frost from his poem, The, the Road Not Taken. Uh, how many of you got at least five? A few of you do, very good. Uh, anyone get all Eight. You want it all? Oh, well, okay. I, we went through all three services. Nobody got all eight. So that tells us something about our church. I don't know. You can decide. Well, uh, you may not be a lover of great poetry, but I want you to keep your mind on that, that line from this last poem by Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Now, that is a great picture, Uh, Every day throughout our lives, we all stand at forks in the road. If we take this road, it's going to lead this way. But if we take that road, it's going to lead a whole nother way. Whatever choice we make has a real impact on our lives. This is actually a theme that occurs repeatedly throughout the Bible. It shows up so often that theologians have given it a name. They call it the doctrine of the two ways. Uh, We see it, for example, in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. We are told all through Proverbs, if you behave like this, you will be wise. But if you behave like that, you'll be a fool. Two ways, wisdom or foolishness. Uh, Jesus stressed this same theme multiple times in his Sermon on the Mount. He said at the end of that, that sermon, two builders build. One builds on sand. Another builds on rock. And then the storms of life hit both. And Jesus asked, which builder do you want to be? It's the doctrine of the two ways. Today, we're going to look at another example of this doctrine, a picture that we find in Psalm 1. And you'll want to turn there because this introduces us to our next squad goal. And the title of the message is, We Choose Spiritual Growth. Psalm 1 is a psalm about choosing spiritual growth. It's also one of my favorite psalms. Um, It's an introduction to the whole book, and it is exactly about spiritual growth. Uh, You will see as you read that this psalm presents two roads. You can either be a spiritually growing person, or or you can be a person who's not growing spiritually. Maybe you remember back to last week, we, we talked about the goal that God has given all of his people, all of his followers, to share our faith with people who don't know God the way Jesus did, and to do that so that those people can become his followers too. The Great Commission, we we talked about this, uh, calls us to make disciples to up as many people as possible to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Well, once they've trusted Christ, they become his followers, what happens next? God forgives us, God saves us, God adopts us into his family for What? Well, he does it for one ultimate purpose, and that is so that we can grow spiritually, and that is so that we can become more and more like his son, Jesus. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 says, We are not meant to remain as children, but we are meant to hold firmly to the truth in love and to grow up in every way into Christ. Romans eight twenty nine says, For from the very beginning God decided that those who came to him should become like his son. See, the purpose of salvation is transformation. God wants all of his children to grow. It is his goal for us, and we must make it our goal for ourselves. But we don't grow unless we choose spiritual growth. Let me me state our second squad goal like this. We commit to habits of spiritual growth so that we can become more and more like Jesus Christ. Spiritual growth is a choice. Two roads diverged in a wood. And you can take the growing road or you can take the non-growing road. Because you see, we we can't make anyone grow spiritually. In, In fact, in case you don't know this, just hanging out here at church, even if you do it for years, that doesn't make you grow. Growers always have to choose to grow. It's kind of an interesting thing. I've noticed it over many, many examples over 30 years as a pastor is that there there sometimes are people who are relatively young in Christ. Maybe they trusted Christ just six months ago or maybe it's just been a couple of years and you watch them and they grow and flourish and they just spiritually zoom past other people who have known Jesus, been professing Christians for 10 or 20 or, or 30 years. Why does that happen? Well, those who grow have chosen to grow. They've chosen to do the things that lead to spiritual growth. And those who don't grow, well, it doesn't really matter how long you've claimed to know Christ. If you don't do the things that cause growth, you don't grow. And that's what Psalm 1 is all about. Psalm 1 paints two pictures, a picture of someone who's growing, a picture of someone who's not. And it just confronts us with the question, which person do you want to be? I want to read the psalm. It's not a really long psalm, just six verses. And we're going to focus most of our attention on the first three verses, but let's, let's hear it together. Psalm 1, the psalmist writes, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now Psalm 1 shows you three choices that you need to make if you want to be a spiritually growing person. You want to write these down on your message notes. Here's the first one. If I, if I want to grow, number one, I choose to spend time with spiritually growing people. Now, verse one begins with a negative picture. It's about the non-growing person. Their, their lack of growth, you will see, has a lot to do with the company they keep. Psalmist says, "Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers." Maybe you notice those verbs and the progression of them. How they 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 show you uh, this going down the wrong path. You begin by walking with the the wrong group, and then you kind of slow down and you're a little more engaged. You stand with that wrong group, and you end up sitting sharing life with that group. You're you're hanging out with people whose morals and values and view of the world don't please God. And over time, you become more and more committed to that group. See, it's just a reality. Your spiritual growth has a lot to do with who you spend time with. And you always eventually begin to look like the people you hang out with. Some time ago, I was in another city and I went to a coffee shop, and it turned out it was one of those hipster coffee shops. You ever been in a hipster coffee shop? You, you kind of know once you're inside that, that that's where you are. And one of the ways you know is that everybody looks pretty much the same. And so everyone was wearing the same thing. The guys all had flannel shirts buttoned all the way up to the top, top button. Uh, it was cooler weather, so there was an infinity scarf wrapped around their necks. All had that. All the guys had beards, all the guys had certain kinds of of eyeglasses, and they were all working on Macs because you just don't want to work on a PC in one of those kind of coffee shops. They all had earbuds in because they were all listening to their favorite indie band, and everyone was sipping on a very complex, complicated cup of coffee. See, everyone looks the same. And, and, you know, we can go from place to place and uh, uh, era to era, and you'll find different examples of this kind of thing, but it just reminds us, over time, we hang out with people. We we take on their behaviors. we, We take on their thinking. Now, this can be harnessed for good. I, I was thinking about some of you who work in sales, and maybe you've been on an aggressive sales force, and, and, and maybe you were a little timid when you started out with them, but, but they just go after the customers. And over time, you learn that, and you grow, and you're going after the customers too. It works in a lot of ways. We, we talk about people rubbing off on us. This happens in the spiritual realm as well. See, if we hang out with people who are growing spiritually, there's a better chance that we will grow too. I want to say something kind of as a side note for this because I don't want you to hear me saying something that I'm not saying. You may remember last week I talked about the importance of us getting close to people far from God. I am not saying in any way today that we should not spend time with people who don't know God. Not at all. This is not an either or, it is a both and. But we need to make sure that our lives are being built and grounded in, in relationships with people who are also seeking to, to know God so that we can grow too. This is actually a pattern that's been in the church's life from the very beginning. Acts two forty six says this, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. That's like large group worship like we're doing right now. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's like a small group fellowship and we need both. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 applies to both of those kinds of meetings when it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. See, these, these verses tell us we have a choice to make. It's the doctrine of the two ways. We can make a regular habit of gathering with people to worship and fellowship. People will spur us on to love and good deeds, fellow Christ followers, or or we can just do church sort of like whenever, kind of sporadically, hit and miss, sometimes yes, sometimes not. And the result is likely that our spiritual growth will be minimal. I have a challenge for you today. Some of you probably have already noticed this insert in your program. We're calling it the Fall Five. And we want to give you tools as, as we seek to walk this road of following God together. And so we, we put together this insert, and it's got some resources that are just going to be handy for you. You can take them with you. You can use them as you choose. And, and if, if you look at it, you'll notice that under Fall Five, it says, I choose spiritual growth this fall. And then there are five challenges that you can choose to take up that'll help you walk down the road of spiritual growth. A couple of these challenges really pertain to what we're talking about in this first choice, uh, the challenge to commit to faithful participation in worship each Sunday, and then the challenge to commit to faithful participation uh, in a, a small group. I, I want to encourage you, if you haven't made these commitments, if they're not already part of your lives, will you do that today? This is just between you and God. We're not going to have you turn anything in or or sign up on anything at all. It, it's just giving you this opportunity to decide. See, some of you it's been kind of sporadic the way you're involving yourself in the life of God's people so that you can grow and you're not growing very much as a result. See, will you make a commitment, will you make a choice? Will you choose to grow? See, you can make worship a real priority or you can not. Now, this is not a legalism. Um, I know that you may get sick during this time. I know that maybe your family will be out of town on vacation. But you can choose to make a priority of spending time with God's people so that you can grow. And, and really, I'm going to exhort you, once you make that commitment, don't break that habit, especially if it's just getting started. Don't break that habit because someone gives you tickets to a big game. Don't break that habit because your kids had a sleepover the night before and they are surly. And you just don't think you want to take them to church. Don't break this habit because your relatives come to town. I mean, bring them with you. And if if your relatives are surly and they won't come, then just tell them, hey, we're going to church. We'll see you afterwards. Don't break this habit because your friends want you to go shopping. Have you ever noticed that we all have a way of doing the stuff we really want to do? You know, just to be honest with each other right now, you probably should say amen. Because we do, right? We do the stuff that we really want to do. And so make a commitment, make a choice, and then see what it does for your spiritual growth. Small groups are also very important here. And, and we are in the, coming to the end of a, a time of really emphasizing getting engaged and enrolled in a small group. They're always open, but there's certain seasons we are encouraging you to dive in, and maybe this is the season for you Uh, to, to take that step that you've never taken before. We have over 50 small groups that meet all across Tracy and Mountain House and Lathrop. They meet every day of the week. There's lots of options. And we have a pastor, Pastor Chris Martinez, who would be so happy if you would talk to him or email him and say, I need help finding a group. That's what God has called him to do. I've been reading a book uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks called God in My Everything, and this book is about spiritual disciplines that help us grow, and the the author has a chapter on the importance of getting together with other Christ followers every week, and in that chapter, he tells an interesting story. He says, I have a friend who's an athletic trainer, and and she works uh, with a lot of NCAA athletes. And because she's a Christ follower, she tries to engage them in discussions about faith. And one of the questions she'll often ask is, hey, do you ever go to church? And almost every one of these young athletes says no. And then she'll say, why not? And then they say to her, well, when I was a kid, my family used to go some, but then I got involved in a traveling sports team, and we stopped going, and we never went back. And that just reminds us, dads and moms, the spiritual growth of our kids depends on us as parents getting them to church and making for them this habit of keeping good company a priority in their lives like it is in ours. Because who we spend time with has a huge impact on whether or not we grow. I shared the results of a study with you a few months ago. Maybe you remember it, but there have been a number of studies about this that have come out recently that have shown a real change in the way church attenders attend church and even the way they see themselves attending church. And and the the relevant uh, info is this. Studies show that people who consider themselves regular church attenders on average go to church 35% of the time. So about one-third... And I would just say, if you go to church and worship and fellowship one third of the time, then you're likely to experience about one third of the spiritual growth that you might otherwise experience if you made it a a real priority. It's really that simple. It's the two ways, two roads. You choose this road, keep good company, and you grow. Or or you choose another road, you neglect getting together together the way that your spiritual life needs, and you don't grow. I want to encourage you to write this statement down, just kind of let it, let it simmer in the back of your mind. Isolation always weakens us, but real connection always strengthens us. Are, are you experiencing some weakness in your spiritual life, and, and could it be because you've, you, you've not truly connected with other people that you need to spend time with? See, the reality is we need other people. Our spiritual growth depends on the company that we keep, and it really is our choice. It really is our choice. One more footnote, and this may apply to some of you. Uh, There may be some of you here who look back on your life and say, well, you know, I used to do that. I used to come more consistently. I I really used to be a part of a small group, but the reality is you know you're not right now. It could be for a variety of reasons. Maybe you have a kid in a traveling league. Maybe you bought a vacation home and that's kind of where you hang out on most weekends. Maybe you heard something in the sermon that I preach and it kind of just honked you off and you decided not to come back. Or maybe you went to your small group and somebody there offended you and you bailed and you haven't gone back. And I just, I just want to say to you today, two roads diverged in a wood. And you really do have to choose which road that you're going to take. If if you want to grow spiritually, it it really does depend on the company you keep. And so I just want to encourage you and exhort you, please don't keep nursing wounds. Please don't stay on that road that is taking you away from God's people and taking you away from spiritual growth. Make choices that will put you back on that road to grow spiritually here's the second choice we need to make if we want to grow. I choose to develop spiritual growth habits. Now, verse one was talking about people who didn't choose good company. And then verse two contrasts that group with people who do, people who want to grow spiritually. And what do we see in this verse about the habits these people develop? Well, we see one key spiritual habit in verse two. Let me read it. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. You you want to grow spiritually? Spiritual growth requires meditating on God's word. Let me kind of take that apart for a moment. Meditating on the law of the Lord. Law is the Hebrew word Torah. Torah means everything that God's word teaches. And that just tells us if we want to grow spiritually, we must make a habit of systematically reading through the Bible. And that means all of the Bible at some point. I just want to tell you today, friends, it is not enough for you to come on Sundays and just listen to the amazing, awesome, profound, deeply moving and stirring sermons that I preach. That's not enough. You need to feed spiritually every day. It's not even enough to read a verse here and there in a devotional book. It's not enough to to get spiritual food by listening to Christian radio. You need to read God's word, and you need to read the entire Bible at, at some point in your life. And I just want to say, this is, this is too important for us to leave to chance. And what that means is we have to make choices. And what that means is you need to schedule time with God. And what that means is you need to make a commitment. I want to ask a question. I'm kind of taking a risk here. Um, but, uh, but, but it's kind of good to know sometimes where, where we are. And my question is this. How many of you are trying to follow a schedule that, that will take you through the, the entire Bible would you would you raise your hand amen that 's so great to see now if you couldn 't raise your hand that wasn 't done to shame you or anything, but you, you saw some of those people raising your hand they 're just like you they 're not on any advanced plane spiritually or anything they've just made a choice a choice that that you you can make and if you haven 't chosen to do that, I want to encourage you to 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 start. Uh, That's why part of this insert that we've given you, did you notice we have an insert in the program with some spiritual challenges? Well, underneath the five spiritual challenges, you can see here the 90-day New Testament challenge. And we've done this exact thing before a couple of times, and I'm bringing it back again because some of you didn't do it the other times that I shared it with you, and I'm giving you another chance, right? And uh, you can actually read by just reading... uh, Three, about three chapters every day, you can read the entire New Testament in three months. Wouldn't that be so cool by the end of the year to have known? I, I went through the whole New Testament, the whole thing. You can do it in 90 days. And, and for some of you who like to be orderly and scheduled and all that, you may be thinking right now, hey, October 1 is coming, the last three months of the year. So you can start, you know, when, when October 1 comes, and then I can, I can do it before the year is out. I can make a check on my list in my life, you know. And then some of you that aren't weird, you can just start today. Because um, it doesn't have to be according to some calendar thing. But you can use this plan, or you can use another plan. We always have a read-through-the-bible plan out on the, uh, the rack that's out in the lobby that's always available for you to pick up. Many of you probably know that you have Hundreds or thousands of Bible reading plans on your phone with a Bible app that you've already loaded on your phone, right? Just pick one. It doesn't really matter. Pick one that's going to take you through God's Word because this is the way that you grow. And let me just remind you the reality is we schedule the things that are important to us. And some of you here need to write that down so you can quit fooling yourself. We schedule what's important to us. Now, note again in verse two, it's not just that you read the Bible every day. The word that is used is meditate, right? What does it mean to meditate on God's word? Well, the Hebrew verb literally means to chew on something. This this verb is often used of a cow chewing its cud. You know, cows will well they'll get some grass or some hay and they'll chew on it for a while and then you know they have more than one stomach and they swallow it and then they bring it back up to chew on some more with extra flavor and stuff you know it's kind of gross right but you kind of get the idea now i've i've never owned a cow some of you may have but i never have but we used to have a dog and our dog's name was sugar sugar died about 4 years ago you want to say ah go right ahead And uh, when we had sugar, she used to love to chew on those rawhide bones. Some of you buy them in bulk at Costco, right, for your dog. And we'd give those to sugar, and she would take one into the family room, and she would lay down, and she would chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it, right? She would chew it until there was absolutely nothing left because it was totally ingested. That's what we are to do with God's word. We read a small portion of God's word every day and we chew on it and chew on it. We, we go over and over it until we extract something that we can apply to our lives, some truth about God that helps us draw closer to him. Now, some of you may be thinking right now, that kind, kind of sounds tedious, even a little boring. I mean, chewing on God's word. Well, it wasn't boring to my dog. She loved it. And according to verse two, people who are in a growing relationship with God, well, they love getting into his word. In fact, did you notice that word delight? Maybe you need to circle that or underline that word in your Bible or in your notes. They delight in God's word. Now, I was thinking about that this week, and, and I was thinking about how some things that we discipline ourselves to do, we, we mainly just do them because we know they're good for us, right? Right? Like, no one really likes kale. Do they? Okay, some of you do. Good for you. Uh, but then there's a lot of us, we just eat it because it's good for us, or at least that's what they tell us, right? Uh, some of us work out, and we don't really like to work out. I, here's a chance for you to do an amen. But we know we need the exercise. It's good for us. Now, now why do I tell, tell you this? Getting into God's word every day is not like that at all for me. I love it. I delight in it. Now, it's not that every time I open the Bible and read it, I get some really great insight for my life. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I'm confused. Sometimes I walk away. I don't really know what I'm supposed to to see in that passage. But over time, as I do it every day, as I've been doing it for years now, it draws me closer to God, and I am so glad I do it. I love doing it. It feels so good doing it. Some of you need to hear this because it's not like that for you. Here's what you need to hear. Discipline leads to delight. And you'll never know delight until you discipline yourself until you commit yourself to the choice to grow spiritually so don't wait for the feeling to just show up one day choose spiritual growth discipline yourself and delight will follow see if you want to grow spiritually there is a fork in the road you you read and reflect on the bible and you will grow or you ignore the bible and you won't it really is that simple and that's why I have spent so much time over the years trying to encourage you in this area. That's why every year, at least once, we, we encourage you to adopt a Bible reading plan. That's why I've preached many messages on, on God's word and on prayer, which is how you speak to God. That's why we teach our Discovery Tool Class, which we had last week, Discovering Spiritual Maturity. That's why. Again, we have an insert in our program that has some challenges uh, on this area that you can take to spend daily time with God. That's actually the very first challenges here. Also to memorize scripture. We want to give this to you. So you have a tool that makes it as as simple as possible, but you still have to make the choice. You still have to take the step. And, And it just reminds us, we all need commitments to build habits. So what's yours? See, growing people do growing things. Non growing people don't. Let me tell you about something else that's just really critical for your spiritual growth. Uh, around here at Southlands, we've just started another session or season of a, a nine week seminar called Financial Peace University, or FPU. It's written by a guy named Dave Ramsey, a financial expert, nationally known, uh, has a radio talk show, well respected. It's a class that teaches you how to budget and manage and save and get out of debt and how to be generous with other people. And you may be wondering, what does that have to do with our topic today, spiritual growth? And the answer is everything. Here's how Jesus puts it in Luke sixteen eleven. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, you can read the context of that verse, and you will see that the true riches Jesus is talking about are, are spiritual riches. And Jesus is just saying, God is not going to enrich your life spiritually if, if you're not handling the money that he's given you in a way that pleases him. And you might be thinking, well, why is money such a big deal to God? And it is a big deal. Some of you are thinking, well, it's not really a big deal to God. It's just a thing that pastors and churches always are talking about. Well, it actually is a big deal to God. One thing that shows us that is when we go to the Gospels and we read the parables of Jesus, which was his primary way of teaching, two-thirds of Jesus' parables have to do with wealth, money, with how to handle it. See, here's the big deal. There are two ways to handle your money. Does that sound familiar, the, the doctrine of the two ways? One is you can treat your money as if it's yours to do with as you please. Spend it as you want, do what you want, but you won't grow spiritually. Or two... You can choose to treat your money as if it belongs to God, which is what God's word says. You can choose to treat it as if it is on loan to you from God, which is what God's word says. You can do everything in your power to understand and apply the principles in God's word on how best to handle his money to save and manage and budget and give it. Two roads diverge in a wood. There's an interesting story that dates all the way back to the 12th century. The Roman Catholic Church was trying to recruit crusaders who had marched to Jerusalem and free the city from invading Muslim hordes. And so they were just looking for anyone who was willing to join the fight. And from all over Europe, mercenaries showed up. Now, mercenaries are soldiers who fight to get paid. And so they, they wanted to get paid. They showed up. But as you might imagine, it was kind of a motley crew And the church looked at these guys and said, well, we we cannot send you out unless you get baptized. And so the story goes, they would get baptized, but as they were being baptized, these mercenary soldiers would hold their swords up high out of the water so that the sword never went under. It was kind of like their way of saying, God can have all of me except my sword. I will do with my sword what I want to do with my sword. A lot of Christ followers, people who claim to be Christ followers, kind of have the same thing going on with their money. They'll say, I've surrendered my life to Jesus, except for my checkbook, except for my Visa card, except for my Amazon Prime account. That's to do with what I want to do as I please. And all I want to say to you today is just the honest truth. That sort of attitude always leads To spiritual decline. But on the other hand, I've just seen this time and time and time again here at Southwinds. People who get the money thing right, who start handling their money the way God wants them to, it's just amazing how they just take off spiritually. It's amazing how they grow. Because it's the habits you develop that determine your spiritual growth. There are more habits than the ones we've talked about today, but these are so basic, getting into God's word, handling God's money in a way that pleases him. Let me me show you the third choice for growth in Psalm 1. This is in verse 3. I choose to bear spiritual fruit. Verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Again, the choice is ours. Which tree do we want to become? And this picture of of tree uh, is a very important symbolic picture in the Bible. And tree involves fruit. And fruit, we see it in many different times in the Bible, symbolizes three things. I want to kind of unpack this in that way. Three things that that God wants to do in our lives if you make the choice to grow spiritually. First, in the Bible, fruit stands for Christlike character. Paul says in Galatians that once you surrender your life to Christ, the spirit comes to live inside of you and God's spirit has an agenda for you. Do you know this? His agenda is to make you more like Jesus and to do that by producing Jesus' character within you. Now, Paul helps us out with this to understand by giving us in Galatians 5 a list of nine character qualities that he calls the fruit of the spirit. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the kind of life God wants to produce in you. Let me just say it again. The measure of your spiritual growth is not primarily how much of the Bible you read or know. It is not the frequency with which you attend church. It's not even the amount of money that you give. And it's not even how many years you've been teaching first graders in kids space. God bless you. See, all of those things are important. All of those things are good, but they are just a means to an end. And the end or, or the results that God wants to produce in you is the fruit of Christlike character. And so if you want to know whether or not you're spiritually growing, you can just look at this list and you can ask yourself, is this stuff kind of showing up in my life more regularly now than it used to? Maybe just start with the first example, the fruit of love. Am I becoming a more loving person? Have you asked yourself that recently? And I know people who have professed Christ 20 or 30 years ago. They've been coming to church all that time, but they're not very loving. You probably know some of them too. And it doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church if your heart and your life is not being changed if you're married, you can start with your spouse. Are you working on loving your spouse? Maybe you're here this morning, your marriage is really struggling. and Are you seeking counsel to deal with that? Are you becoming more loving to the people you work with Monday through Friday? This may not apply to anyone here, I don't know, but Are you being more loving with that neighbor who likes to play loud music late on Saturday nights when you're trying to go to sleep so you can get up Sunday morning and preach three sermons to church? I don't know who that might apply to. Do do you want to be a more loving person? And then you can just kind of go down the list. Joy's the next thing. Let me just ask you, are, are you cranky? You know, somebody once asked somebody, Do you wake up grumpy in the morning? The person answered, no, I just let him sleep usually. (laughs) You know, are you a chronic complainer? Are you incessantly critical? Are you just a pessimist all the time? The glass is always just half empty. You're not growing spiritually if that's you because that's not joy. And joy shows up in the lives of people who are growing spiritually. And you just keep working down that list. Now, I'll say just one more thing, to mention that's in our insert that we have here. Um, one of the ways to deal with particular areas in your life that you want to grow is to memorize Scripture. And on the back side, we have... Uh, we have 12 different passages of Scripture for you to memorize if you're not sure where to start. Again, you can pick your own, but if you're not sure where to start, here's some good ones, and you could begin to build God's Word into your life so that it's, it's causing you to think His thoughts and causing you to, to act in the way that would please Him. You're, you're becoming more like Him in His character. Second thing that fruit means, good works. Now listen to another challenge from the apostle Paul. This is Colossians 1:10. He says, "Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God." Now I'm not going to say very much about this today because this is going to be a big part of our topic next week. We're going to be talking about serving But let let me tell you, though, when you become a Christ follower and when God's spirit begins to grow you spiritually, one of the signs will always be this shift from being me centered to being more other centered, from being self-absorbed to being a person who's actually starting to think and be concerned about other people and about serving them. And it will begin to change your life. It'll change the way you show up for work. It'll change the way you operate in your home. You'll be looking around at the people around you for opportunities to serve them. It'll change the way you participate here at church. You will not be able to just come here and sit here and soak stuff up and then leave and do nothing to make a contribution to what's going on. You will be looking for ways to serve other people. It'll change the way you approach the poor. It'll change the way you give. You're not just thinking about yourself. You're thinking about how can I help serve others? See, servers are growers. Let me just turn that around and let you think about this. People who choose not to serve choose not to grow. And it may be that somebody is here today just to hear that. See, if you want to become a server we have so many opportunities. I don't know if you realized it or not, but I bet you everyone in this room walked by a dozen people on your way from the parking lot to here who were serving, making what we do here possible. And you can be part of that as well. Here's the last category of fruit fruit in the Bible means friends we bring to Christ. Paul talks in Colossians about the joy he gets from sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with others. And again, we, we talked about that last week, the good news. Now, let me remind you, the good news always starts with bad news. And the bad news is that we are all sinners. And that, that bad news gets worse. Uh, our sins deserve death, the Bible tells us. See, because our disobedience means that we are disconnecting from the author and giver of life, the penalty for that is death. And either death first death in this world and then eternal death if it doesn't get fixed but the good news is that God sent his son Jesus to take death in our place to to take the penalty that we we deserved by dying the death we deserved to die on the cross and if we give our lives to him we will receive his forgiveness new life in this world eternal life in the world to come paul says that's good news and he says that when people hear the good news and they respond and they surrender their lives to Christ, that that's fruit, they are fruit. Colossians 1, 6 says, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. So if you're growing spiritually, part of the fruit will be that you will see yourself being more irresistibly drawn to tell other people about what God has done for you, Amen it's like you won't be able to keep it to yourself. You'll, you'll find yourself inviting them to come and be part of our Sunday services because you just want them to experience what you experience being with other Christ followers, together worshiping God and hearing God's word taught. You'll find yourself at a Starbucks or, or maybe in, in your neighborhood and you're talking to a friend and you'll ask them, can I, can I tell you about what Jesus has done in my life? Well, some of you hear that and you're thinking, I could never do that. I, I'm too afraid to do that. I'd like to do that, but I don't know how to do that. I don't really know what to say. And, and if they ask a question, I know I won't know how to answer that. Well, one of the things I would say to you is later on this fall, we're going to again be teaching our Discovery 401 class, "Discovering My Mission, and four hours of teaching how you can share your faith in a real practical way. Maybe you say, I can't wait. I have some specific questions now. I'd invite you to send me an email. You know, I I asked last week uh, for those of you who heard the message of encouragement from God's word to to go out and share our faith. I said, hey, when God opens a door for you this week, I just want to encourage you to let me know as your pastor, I would love to hear what happens. And you know what? You guys didn't write me. You know why? Because only one person sent me an email and they're not here in this service. And so that means none of you wrote me a letter. So I'm giving you another chance. All right. We're a church of grace. So I just want to invite you again. You can tell me about what's happened or you can just ask a question because you're thinking about what might occur as you enter into a conversation. But I would love to hear from you. I'd love to help you any way that I can. When we look at all of this, we just put it all together. If you want to produce fruit, if you want to grow, you have to choose. You have to make a choice. It really all boils down to this. Are you going to grow this fall? Choice is yours. So you can be like a tree planted by streams of water. Whatever you do prospers. That's That's the prospect that's being offered up to us if we choose to grow. Or you can go down another road and Choose to be like a dead branch shaking in the wind, dry and withered. And it all has to do with the choices that you make. Now, I can't leave this psalm without mentioning the last half. Because verses four through six, they're not just about, you know, Christians who aren't doing so well. Those verses are ultimately about God's judgment on those who choose not to follow him, who choose not to obey him, who choose not to live for him. And I don't want that to be true for anyone who's here today. And so I just want to invite you to turn your life over to Christ, to trust Christ. You know, you can do that today. The Bible says it's really very simple. You simply have to come to the place where you realize that you cannot save yourself and that the only way for your life to be right with God, and that's the ultimate and only ultimate way that matters is to turn from your sins in repentance and then to turn toward God in faith. And that faith is you trusting that God's son Jesus through his death on the cross has paid the penalty for your sins so that you can be forgiven. If you're ready to do that today, I just want to invite you when we bow our heads in just a moment, just to pray and tell God that Use your own words. There's no special words that you need to use, but just tell him that. And if you do that, I just want to encourage you, to you tell someone else? Maybe tell the person you came with. Maybe tell me or one of the other pastors. We would be so excited to find out about that, and we would love to be able to help you in any way that we possibly can. We have so many resources available uh, to share with you. Two roads, in a wood. See, one road leads to growth and one road does not. See, which road will you choose? That's the choice that each of us has today. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father God, we uh, once again thank you for your word and how it challenges us and confronts us. Lord, we, we, we need you so much, and that's why we need to hear your word, Lord. I pray that each one of us would hear your Holy Spirit speak to us in the specific way that you have for us today, whatever that might be, and that our hearts would be receptive to whatever you're saying, Lord. I want to pray for anyone who's here today who's kind of deceiving themselves as you say in your word because they agree with everything they've heard today but they're not actually doing it. Lord, help us to see today that it's obedience that really matters. It's obedience that leads to growth. Father, I pray for anyone who is here who doesn't know you. They're considering the claims that you make on our lives. And Lord, I ask that you would open their hearts and minds and life to you today. I ask that you would grant them repentance, Lord, that they would turn from their sins, that they would grant them faith, that they would turn to you, and they would receive new life in Jesus Christ. We pray all these things, Father, now in the name of your Son, for his sake and for his glory. And all God's people together say, Amen.